A few moments ago, I placed a wreath at the tomb of the unknown soldier. And as I stepped back and stood during the moment of silence that followed, I said a small prayer. And it occurred to me that each of my predecessors has had a similar moment. And I wondered if our prayers weren't very much the same, if not identical. We celebrate Veterans Day on the anniversary of the armistice that ended World War I. The armistice that began on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month. And I wonder, in fact, if all Americans' prayers aren't the same as those I mentioned a moment ago. For all we can ever do for our heroes is remember them and remember what they did. And memories are transmitted through words. We see these soldiers in our mind as old and wise. We see them as something like the founding fathers, grave and gray-haired. But most of them were boys when they died, and they gave up two lives, the one they were living and the one they would have lived. When they died, they gave up their chance to be husbands and fathers and grandfathers. They gave up their chance to be revered old men. They gave up everything for our country, for us. And all we can do is remember. There's always someone who is remembering for us. No matter what time of year it is or what time of day, there are always people who come to this cemetery, leave a flag or a flower or a little rock on a headstone. And they stop and bow their heads and communicate what they wished to communicate. I think sometimes of General Matthew Ridgway, who the night before D-Day tossed sleepless on his cot and talked to the Lord and listened for the promise that God made to Joshua. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. We are surrounded today by the dead of our wars. We owe them a debt we can never repay. All we can do is remember them and what they did and why they had to be brave for us. All we can do is try to see that other young men never have to join them. Today as never before, we must pledge to remember the things that will continue the peace. Today as never before, we must pray for God's help in broadening and deepening the peace we enjoy. Let us pray for freedom and justice and a more stable world. And let us make a compact today with the dead. A promise in the words for which General Ridgway listened, I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Welcome to WMRI's presentation of the World War II Memorial Site Dedication, Lighting of the Eternal Flame, The Final Salute, presented by American Legion Fairmont Post 85 and the Heritage Harbor Foundation. The audio commemorating the 75th anniversary of the ending of World War II took place on Sunday, October 17th at the American Legion Fairmont Post 85, 870 River Street here in Woonsocket. This segment will include the principal speaker, Dr. Dr. Scott Malloy, Vice President of the Heritage Harbor Foundation and Rhode Island Heritage Hall of Fame inductee. Before I introduce the uh, major speaker, uh, just another word or two about Joseph Paralak. Uh, basically, uh, he came to my attention uh, as a result of editing this booklet 
the Polish Americans in Rhode Island. Back in 1976, when I was chairman of the Bicentennial of Independence Commission, RI-76, I created 18 ethnic heritage committees and asked each one of them uh, to write a booklet on their history here in Rhode Island. And uh, 14 of those complied, and so we had an ethnic heritage pamphlet series. The Polish pamphlet came in 60 pages too long because the author, Professor Stan Blewis, uh, told us a lot about the history of Poland. And uh, it wouldn't have fit into the box and was not in conformity with the standards of the series. And so I took it upon myself, not wishing to leave the Polish behind because my wife is partially of Polish ancestry, I edited the book down to 60 pages. It fit beautifully into uh, our ethnic heritage series, and the Heritage Harbor Foundation was able to reprint it in box form and distribute it to all the libraries in Rhode Island. So if you're French or you're Irish or you're Jewish or you're Polish, your story is in this ethnic heritage series. But the point that I'm making here is that in going through the book and editing it, I came across one paragraph on the exploits of Joseph Perelic, and I was astounded. So I called Scotty Stett, the vet detective, and then I, I talked to other individuals uh, like Frank Lennon and Larry Reed, and together they got together, they got together and uh, constructed that uh, story, that very heroic story of uh, Sergeant Perillic, uh that was just presented uh, to you today. And I was going to make a presentation to the Polish group of uh, 15 of these pamphlets, uh, and unfortunately they're not here today. Uh, there's one page in particular that I would point to. It's page 57. My beautiful wife there in the second row is being hugged by Lekwalesa. And unfortunately she went down on a humanitarian mission and left me home. So I've got a bone to pick with Lek. But any of you that want uh, this Polish-American pamphlet, uh, by all means, uh, uh, contact the Rhode Island Publication Society, 272-1776. Now, I have the honor also, uh, seeing I'm here and moving along, uh, to introduce the principal speaker, a great orator who is preeminently qualified to speak about our neglected honorees, the soldiers of production. Uh, Dr. Scott Malloy is a professor emeritus of labor studies at the University of Rhode Island. Uh, he's the founder of the Rhode Island Labor Historical Society. He's the author of a doctoral dissertation turned book highly reviewed on the development of the transit unions in Rhode Island. And then finally, he's the author of a detailed biography of Joseph Bannigan, an Irish refugee from the Great Famine who came here to Rhode Island and became eventually the Rubber King the man who built the Alice Mill named for his mother. And, of course, that Alice Mill, just a few uh, feet from our site, or its remnants, uh, is the uh, mill that contributed uh, much uh, to the fabrication of the Ghost Army. Uh, Scott Malloy even goes further. In 2009, I talked about the Hall of Fame, in 2009, for all his research, writing, and labor activity, he was inducted into the Rhode Island Heritage Hall of Fame, and he is the vice chairman of the Heritage Harbor Foundation. I give you Scotty Malloy. Good afternoon to all of you. Thank you so much for coming. 
Uh, I want you to know that the first 19 speakers took half of my speech. But, <laughs> but that's good for you. Today, a handful of brave and courageous survivors from the Second World War still answer the call. They're in their 90s now. In a few more years, the veterans of the last global conflict will have replied to another salute as well. They will join their earlier comrades through the portals of immortality in a heavenly regiment of the brave and the virtuous. When they and we answer taps, the ghostly reverberations will pulsate through our nervous systems. When the World War II centennial arrives in 2045, most of us will not be here either. Not that long ago, no discussion or argument in America ended without some reference to the Second World War. How soon we forgot. How quickly time has passed. This year will denote the last living celebration for these soldiers and their achievements. Today we will answer their summons as they once responded to the call of a nation to a people's war. Since the end, so many years ago in August 1945, a grateful country and the free world pay homage, and rightfully so, to the GIs and the Marines, Army, Navy, Air Force, Coast Guard, Merchant Marine, and an activated National Guard. One group's contributions, however, have been marginalized. This different kind of warrior has been overshadowed and forgotten. Quite frankly, the soldiers of production wanted it that way. The soldiers of production? Who were they? What branch of the service? When our military combatants set a compass to points unknown, they left behind grandparents, parents, spouses, siblings, and children. They formed a second front. Not a rear guard, mind you, but a forward advance force of formidable auxiliary troops. The soldiers of productions consisted of millions of women, the disabled, the aged, children, and people of color, not allowed to fight for America until the very end of the hostilities. Rosie the Riveter. I saw her walking around earlier, too. She's here. Rosie the Riveter was the symbol of domestic female exploit. She and her cohorts operated the assembly lines, the shipyards, factory tool rooms, and manufacturing centers throughout the land. They worked as government girls in the political bureaucracy, tended stamping machines, and sifted gunpowder. Our at-home heroes and heroines produced munitions, gas masks, parachutes, food, uniform buttons, fuel, liberty ships, and airplanes to fortify the armed services. They staffed Red Cross and USO centers, and they sold war bonds, 10 cents down for a $10 certificate. 
Industrial activity occurred right here in Rhode Island, and the epicenter is almost in the exact spot in Woonsocket where we meet today. Betwixt and between the mills, the P&W Railroad, the Blackstone River, and the old fish and chips. No place in Rhode Island outpaced Woonsocket in the cornucopia of goods and services for the war effort. It produced everything from A through Z. Textile empires came roaring back to life from the Great Depression. The war reignited the local economy in this proud, predominantly French-Canadian community, now a neighborhood of rainbow-like diversity. When socket firms and employees are in prestigious military prizes for excellence, in fact, in fact, the city ranked high on Adolf Hitler's wish list to be bombed. When these toilers arrived home at night to a tenement here in Woonsocket, they watered their victory gardens, which yielded 40% of this country's produce in World War II. 40%! Along the way, they picked up their children at daycare centers, operated by their own relatives. Before putting the kids to bed, they sorted the milkweed pods the students collected to fill life jackets and flight suits. One of our hosts today, Dr. Patrick Conley, remembers doing that right in South Providence at the tender age of six. You were productive even then, Pat. On Sundays, our religious forebears knelt in prayer at one of the necklaces of Catholic churches and other religious institutions around the city. And I'd like to say an RIP to St. Charles right down the street, which recently closed with its storied history. Assembly line workers also used the GI Bill to make an honest buck to buy a post-war cottage with their savings. And maybe, just maybe, earn a 15-minute coffee break guaranteed in a labor contract. Our armed forces vanquished the onslaught of fascism, Nazism, totalitarianism. The soldiers of production are silent fighters in the 48 states and territories fulfilled their duties as well. They launched cargo ships faster than U-boats could sink them, filled knapsacks for lonely servicemen on forgotten Pacific outposts, and assembled engine parts too. We produced 32,000 Quonset huts designed locally, a few still in use today. The arsenal of democracy showcased these horny-fisted sons and daughters of toil who were often left out of the national spotlight. Our heroes and heroines include all those who contributed to the war effort, whether in a foxhole or tending an iron mold, operating a tank or milling bomb sites, shooting the tail guns in a bomber or fabricating the wheels for a jeep. So many patriots signed up to go to work 
these soldiers of production, unemployment disappeared in America. Did you hear that? Unemployment disappeared in America. My own family scrapbook highlights my dad serving on an aircraft carrier in the Sea of Japan at the time of the atomic bomb explosion. His mother, my grandmother, had six silver enlistment stars in her window. And my mother worked at the Peter Martin Aircraft Company in Baltimore as the draftswoman. Our hearts break when we hear the number of American GIs who perished in the conflict. Over 300,000 paid the ultimate sacrifice. 2,200 Rhode Islanders fell in the bunkers of Europe, the naval battles of the Pacific, or in the skies above Germany. Amazingly and just as sad, almost 100,000 war workers died in industrial accidents here at home. A hundred thousand mine explosions, munitions detonations, and torpedo mishaps. They also expired one at a time, operating antiquated, dangerous machinery, some from the 19th century, pulled from company storage rooms for the factory floor without modern safeguards. 300,000 killed on foreign fields of battle, 100,000 on the battlefields of the home front. Let me say an ending. Front and center, maybe the last remembrance. Attention, salute our heroes, here or not, those who served abroad and at home. Let us march through the corridors of history and time itself. Hands clasped, arms locked, eyes forward to the greatest generation, home and abroad. To the greatest generation, home and abroad. To the greatest generation, home and abroad. Thank you. We will return with more of the World War II Memorial Site dedication commemorating the 75th anniversary of the ending of World War II in a moment. Bayberry Commons joined the Health Concepts family of caregivers in 1985. Since that time, the caregivers in our 110-bed skilled nursing and rehabilitation center have helped thousands of people regain optimal health and well-being. Whether for short-term rehabilitation or long-term nursing care, Bayberry Commons continues to offer top quality professional health care. Set in beautiful, picturesque Burrowville, Bayberry Commons also provides a secure memory care community. For more information, call 568-0600, Bayberry Commons, where Rhode Islanders care for Rhode Islanders. Community Bank, what do those words really mean? Is there a difference? At Dean Bank, we feel a community bank should care deeply about the financial success of its neighbors and small businesses. A community bank should invest in people of the cities and towns it calls home. And a community bank should support the efforts of its young people that demonstrate leadership in school and in the community. 
with a full line of checking, savings, mortgage, and loan products for both consumers and small businesses, Dean Bank offers solutions to your financial challenges for today and tomorrow. Visit Megan Lima in our Bellingham branch, located at Crook's Corner on Pulaski Boulevard, or Angel McClure in our Blackstone location in the Park and Shop Plaza, and tell them you heard this ad on WNRI. Dean Bank is member FDIC, member SIF, and is an equal housing lender, NMLS number 412095. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. I do solemnly swear to bear true faith and allegiance. To help you when you're in need. To be considerate and caring, courageous and strong. To tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. For better. For worse. In sickness and in health. To love and cherish. To be your loving, faithful friend, partner, child, parent, neighbor. One of our most important commitments is to support our nation's veterans. Learn how you can help a veteran experiencing mental health challenges at maketheconnection.net. Welcome to WNRI's presentation of the World War II Memorial Site Dedication, Lighting of the Internal Flame, The Final Salute, presented by American Legion Fairmount Post 85 and the Heritage Harbor Foundation. The audio commemorating the 75th anniversary of the ending of World War II took place on Sunday, October 17th at the American Legion Fairmount Post 85, 870 River Street here in Woonsocket. This segment will include military honors, presented posthumously to the families of U.S. Navy Singleman 2nd Class Robert Henry Dusablon, Private 1st Class Amy Beaupillant, Staff Sergeant Raymond Barnes, and World War II U.S. Navy Seaman 1st Class Gerald Beaulieu. Thank you. I was one year old when the war started, and I was six years old when it ended. I can't tell you anything about it firsthand, but I can tell you what I experienced in some 82 years that I've been on this earth. It came from my family, it came from friends, and it came from a special individual that when I was 17 caused me to join. His name was George Luz. Tim, you know him. One of the band of brothers. I joined the Army when I was 17. 48 years later, I get out. And that was a tremendous experience. I became a very rich man, not financially, but in the form of stories that were told to me throughout the years. So I'm going to do something, as was suggested. I want to do something on your behalf. Is Jagger here? He had to leave. Okay. This gentleman. Please come up here. Put your hands together for this young guy. Tyler. Tyler. In the United States military, we have a tradition, and it's called a command coin. This is my coin. When you present it to someone, you recognize excellence, and you also give them a challenge. And the challenge I give to you is to tell this story. You were here today. Many of us won't be here. 
when you're my age. I challenge you to tell this story and always remember it. Tell them exactly what we did here and pass on to your generation the importance of what that generation did and everyone in between. So I want you to take this coin as a matter of recognizing that challenge. Are you going to do it? You're really going to do it? Proud of you. This is our generation we need to count on. What do you think? God bless you. So with that, I'd like to uh, end my comments to you and, and suggest to you that this is a wonderful time where we need to continue building monuments and not tearing our history down. God bless. Now we will have our first color ceremony that will set in motion the dedication of this new educational World War II memorial site. It will honor combat veterans and the soldiers of production. Uh, and then there will be presentations made to four families, symbolic of all those who have served. Uh, and by the way, there will be a volley that will be rather loud, so be prepared uh, to... Uh, understand that. You may be seated. Four families have been identified to represent all of those who have participated and contributed. General Centracchio, will you please come forward and present in honor of World War II U.S. Navy Signalman Second Class Robert Henry Dusablan, receiving for his son, Glenn Dusablan. Thank you, sir. Thank you, General. General Valente, presenting to Private First Class Amy J. Bopalant, U.S. Army, Solomon Islands, Guadalcanal, South Pacific. Receiving for the family, daughter Monique Lamoureux. General D'Agostino, please come forward. For Sergeant Raven W. Barnes, B-17 radio man assigned to the 8th Air Force 92nd, 327th Bomb Squadron, 
shot down over Bremen, Germany, losing an eye. Prisoner of war for 18 months. Purple Heart recipient. Receiving for the family, his son, Colonel Ron Barnes. And finally, General Andrew Chevalier, will you come forward, please? Honoring World War II U.S. Navy Seaman First Class Gerard M. Bellieu in the Pacific Fleet, receiving for the family his son, Michael Bellieu. Now, Dr. Conley will come forward to introduce our final speaker. Before having the uh, privilege of introducing the final speaker, I just want one addendum to the soldiers of production. Uh, Scott Malloy, tremendously eloquent, and talked about Woonsocket. He mentioned tangentially South Providence, where I was raised. On that South Providence waterfront, there was the Waltz Kaiser shipyard. That shipyard, during World War II, its soldiers of production produced 11 Liberty ships, 21 frigates, and 32 combat cargo ships. The total workforce in January 1945, 21,264. So that's uh, South Providence's and Providence General contributions to that war effort through their soldiers of production. We will return with more of the World War II Memorial Site dedication commemorating the 75th anniversary of the ending of World War II in a moment. For over six years, people in the Blackstone Valley have shopped family discount furniture for all their furniture needs. See why the readers of the call voted them number one best in business for mattresses and furniture. Their showroom, located at 1081 Social Street in Woonsocket, is stocked with brand new merchandise available for same-day pickup or next-day delivery. Ask them about their no-credit-needed program. Family Discount Furniture, 1081 Social Street in Woonsocket. Open Monday through Friday, 10 to 6. Saturday, 10 to 5. Call them today at 401-597-5911 and be sure to follow them on Facebook. Cumberland Collision, 420 Menden Road in Cumberland, is Northern Rhode Island's preferred destination for complete auto body and collision repairs. Whether it's a small bumper repair or heavy body damage, they are a full-service repair center with a focus on detail unparalleled in the industry. Their technicians are fully trained and qualified to get your vehicle back on the road in no time. Cumberland Collision, 420 Menden Road, Cumberland. Call us at 401-333-5855 or visit us online at cumberlandcollision.com. Hurt in an accident? You'll be dealing with some giant insurance company, and they'll be counting on one thing that you don't know jack about personal injury law, which is exactly why you need to fight back and call Jack. Hi, I'm Jack Calvino of Calvino Law Associates. We know everything you need to know to successfully settle your personal injury case and have 40 years of experience in doing it. Fight back. 
Call Jack at 401-785-9400 or visit fightbackcalljack.com. Whether you love the outdoors, art, or exercise, exploring your passions can help your sense of purpose. You have to figure out what your next mission is. Discover 10 ideas from veterans like you to help start your wellness journey at maketheconnection.net. Welcome to WNRI's presentation of the World War II Memorial Site Dedication, Lighting of the Eternal Flame, The Final Salute, presented by American Legion Fairmont Post 85 and the Heritage Harbor Foundation. The audio commemorating the 75th anniversary of the ending of World War II took place on Sunday, October 17th at the American Legion Fairmont Post 85, 870 River Street here in Woonsocket. This segment will include the chairman of the event, Albert Beaupillant. And now we have really saved the best wine till last because no other single person uh, is more responsible uh, for what we see here today and for this memorial than Albert Raoul Beaupillant. Albert was uh, born in Woonsocket six decades ago. He's a true son of Woonsocket. He has been a leader in the revitalization of Woonsocket's main street. He even opened a nightclub there and became the self-styled Woonsocket's Prince of Entertainment. He led the celebration of the 100th anniversary of Woonsocket in 1988. 25 years later, he led the 125th in 2013 by building a massive Arc de Triomphe uh, right over Main Street, attracting about 30,000 people to the celebration. Uh, he is really not only one sockets, but Rhode Island's Cecil B. DeMille. And uh, uh, he is here today to uh, give some concluding remarks. Uh, he is the Vice President of the Rhode Island Heritage Hall of Fame, a director of the Heritage Harbor Foundation. Uh, he's here today uh, as uh, General Patton, and we can only say to Al Beaupillant as we look at this memorial, tanks for the memories. I won't be long. And this is a, uh, <laughs> we're running about a half hour over, and those dynamites are waiting for me. That's my favorite, Osaka dynamites. Thank you, everyone. Thank you all that helped build this monument. You can see the names hung out at two different banners over here. Some uh, 22 state and local businesses, they assisted this. About uh, four weeks ago, this looked like World War I trenches. It was 300 feet of gas pipe, of uh, electric, and what have you. And actually, we're on an old mill site here, so we tore up everything. And thank you, Dr. Conley, for allowing and forming such a world-class World War II committee here in Rhode Island for Rhode Island's greatest generation. Today is a beautiful day because this day is to honor our World War II vets. Since all those victories... Since all those victories, and they know, 
It was all about victory. It is you that allowed us to live and thrive in peace for some 28,105 days to this point. And we thank you for our freedom. You have gone to hell and back for us. And today, it is our simple way of saying thank you. How this monument began, we're going to talk a little about it. I'm going to educate you somewhat that certain things that didn't people didn't touch upon. Shortly after, our first committee meeting, I pulled Dr. Conley aside, and I said, I am only a field artilleryman, doctor. How do you expect me to lead all this as chairman for the state, such high-ranking and distinguished persons? Dr. Conley, with his pithy comeback, he said, be Patton, and they will follow. And this is why I'm Patton. <laughs> and thank you, generals. Thank you, the whole committee. Everybody has done something, and it's been world-class to really uh, have such a wonderful committee to put this mega event, perhaps one of the best in the state's history, for veterans and recognizing them for what they've done. And that's what this was all about. As you well know, where we stand, this was the site of Hitler's wish list for the Ground Zero. Post-85 in 1946, they came home, the World War II vets from the neighborhood, and they built this place on donated socket land. Today we build a memorial monument that will speak of the story of the soldiers of production and celebrate World War II 75th and give an educational, after everybody can read everything, each flag represents children can come here and read and understand about the nine main events that took place and beyond. <clears throat> so with this educational perspective, along with Rhode Island's newest, most solemn place for its veterans to visit, the Eternal Flame. The stone weighs 2,500 pounds. I like little facts. You know, it's not boring. You know, you just get little numbers in your mind. <laughs> it came from Cooperstown, a small town. The guy wanted 5000 He basically gave it for free when, he told, when we told him what we were going to do with it. Um, now, the nine flags, what they represent, this is really for the World War II veterans so that you people can understand where they've been, how they react. You've got to get down into the foxhole with them because that's what we all understand. The first flag, okay, over here, um, not the tall ones, the one that's uh, white and red, that was when, in 1939, when Poland was attacked and we saw what they did to Warsaw. It was flattened. The next is the Great Battle of the Atlantic, and there's three, four hundred words written by Larry Reed under it. Okay. The next is the Battle of Britain, and then the flag next to the Battle of Britain, the fourth one in, is the attack on Pearl Harbor, and then we have the Battle of Midway, then we have D-Day of France, and then we have the 6th German Army where they froze, the Battle of Stalingrad, and then we have the Belgium flag. Thank you, Patton. Patton held those bastards. He took them out when the Germans gave their last great offensive. And the generals will understand this. 
He took the Third Army and gave it counter thrust, 90 degrees, to Bastan and beyond. The greatest battle. And then the great surrender for the Germans and on the Missouri for the Japanese. <laughs> Next. In the future, the four rear flags, not to be dedicated as of yet, that will start next year. We have the Korean flag, Vietnam, Iraq, and Afghanistan. Each year, those vets will be here to further celebrate and add their names of their fallen heroes and comrades that they lost. Those names will be added to the eternal flame. So we plan for the future. I want to try to hit all the little battles. These are the nine main events. These warriors, they saw battle at China, Burma, India, Philippine scene, the Bataan. It was in Corregidor, Wake Island, New Guinea, Coral Sea, Savoy Island, Guadalcanal, Bougainville, Kazarine Pass, Aleutian Islands, Sicily, Anzio, Solerino, Monte Cristo, St. Lou, Saipan, Iwo Jima, Okinawa, Lady Gulf, and on and on and on. And I know that all of you know a lot of those names of those great battles that took place that so many was lost. So now we get more on a localized. We get to the city of Woonsocket. And on their stone over here, incidentally, a lot of this is temporary. This sign up here, it says, Reposer, en pain means in French, rest in peace. That's going to be enlarging. What happened is where the ship's not coming in, we cannot get material. It's very difficult to have plaques made. They can't get the material. So we put a lot of just temporary ones. Go and read them after. Okay? The spirit of Woonsocket. Woonsocket, Rhode Island, is a small city. Marked by a skyline of smokestacks and steeples, it possesses great ethnic and cultural diversity. It also exhibits deep-seated religious devotion and patriotism. Both of these impulses were especially prominent during the turbulent decades of our two world wars. God and country inspired its citizens to perform beyond the call of military and civic duty. As soon as the boys from Fairmount neighborhood return home from the World War II. They waste no time in making plans to build what is now American Legion Fairmount Post 85. The year was 1946. They chose this place in brotherhood and with the soldiers of production, an old industrial zone located between the second hottest working river in America, the Black Zone, and the Providence Whistler Railroad, a major mover of wartime goods. When these warriors were abroad during the wartime years, their families were the soldiers of productions, vigorously engaging in manufacturing and fabricating wartime goods to, to create an arsenal of freedom. Mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, and cousins, they all comprised a workforce of more than 10,000 Woonsocket residents. The homeland soldiers were employed in the war production. These labored and the city's many mills, some of which were reopened to meet the great demand of the war. These citizens 
produce an array of military goods from submarine and aircraft parts to blankets and coats, rubber boots, rubber rafts to life-saving suits. U.S. Rubber Company, the world's largest rubber company, created a top-secret strategic weapon prior to the D-Day invasion, namely Patton's Rubber Army, known also as the Ghost Army. As in World War I, the call for duty was heard loudly. In one northern neighborhood just on the other side of the river here, consisting of 1,800 homes, 670 men and women enlisted, one out of every three homes. In one family on Diamond Hill Road, the Coates, nine out of nine boys, nine out of nine boys enlisted for active duty. By war's end, nearly 200 of Woonsocket's sons paid the ultimate sacrifice. One family, the Gagneys, lost three sons, Henry, Alexander, and Lewis. All their names are there. In this great war, the city had its heroes at home and abroad. Major John Goffrey became a World War II Triple Ace. While at home, the city's aggressive wartime programs such as salvage for scrap metal, sale of war bonds, and the war stamp program earned first place achievement awards from the United States government. To acknowledge the citizens' amazing wartime efforts, the Navy named a frigate the USS Woonsocket, and the Army Air Force named a B-17 Flying Fortress Bomber the spirit of Woonsocket. That spirit is what we honor today and forever with building this dedication of this war memorial. So that's in a really 350 words, Dr. Colley and I shared it. It tells and encapsulates a lot that was said over here, and that's on a stone. And incidentally, I want to thank the city council last week. They went forward and they uh, gave a $5,000 grant for their stone for these words to be emblazoned forever. So thank you, City Council. If you stand, where's the City Council? Thank you. Thank you. Also, the City Council, as we take a look at Woonsocket, we all know that Woonsocket has a um, demographics, medium income of $24,000. They $24,000 a year because we are an impoverished city. They now have a project to look forward to the future. So we're moving forward in a way like we haven't in the past, which is extremely positive for the city. And I thank the city council for that. Now, lighting of the eternal flame. This is where we come down to the real uh, nitty gritty. And I quote, we should thank God that such a man, no greater a man, that they have given his life for his country. And if I was testing my great-grandson, he would know that was his grandfather that said that. I know for one socket today, these 180-plus men, they all share in our DNA. My father would share these men's lives that were cut short when he came back from what he would tell me. They were our fathers in the future and our grandfathers, only known to God. If they would have made it back home, we would have known other. And now, with my nephew Danny. This sword here was purchased in 
2018 for when we did the Feast of St. John the Baptiste here in Woonsocket. Uh, it was purchased in France. It saw a battle in World War I and World War II. After we took it home, uh, what we decided to do for the faith of the city in hope and pray, it was taken to Griswold, Connecticut. And placed in this sword is two great Hall of Famers of great faith. Father, Monsignor Father Charles Duray, who built Lespice Saint Antoine, uh, Lespice Saint Antoine, excuse me, my French, okay, uh, Precious Blood Cemetery, um, Precious Blood Church, the first Catholic church in the city. He also built, uh, St. Francis Home for the Children. Um, he is the most important thing that he did in his life is placed in here. Also, little Rose Farron. She was a stagmatist. She bled. She died at 33, okay? And one day she will be a saint. Her blood is placed in here. And this has been blessed by the monks. It has been also blessed at uh, Precious Blood, the uh, Holy Land here in the city of Woonsocket. So I am going to place this sword, okay, on the eternal flame. And the reason for doing it is to invoke God to come down and to be with us as the priest will soon be blessing this stone. This will help you. This phrase, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. It was a time of God, family, and country. On the battlefield, before your comrades died, the cry for their mothers was everywhere, as, put, as portrayed in Private Ryan. It was then when you held their head and wiped their tears before their last breath, to have, just to have moved on to another day, to another fight. My father would always tell me, son, war is hell. Here we have the bravest of the brave and the heroes of heroes. So let us light this torch so we will never forget. And incidentally, um, I recognize and understand for a lot of the veterans that are soon going to be lighting this torch, um, we know what they've experienced in their life. It's a very solemn moment for them. And... Uh, we will respect that. Gentlemen, the families can come with them also. So one veteran from each of Rhode Island's five counties will now approach for the lighting of the flame. And any veteran from World War II who is present, please come forward and join. From Bristol County, Arthur Medeiros of the U.S. Army, from Kent County, John Gordon Bradley, Jr., a lieutenant commander in the U.S. Navy. From Washington County, George Silva, U.S. Navy Armed Guard. From Newport County, Manny Diaz, U.S. Army Air Corps. And from Providence County, Richard Fazio, U.S. Navy Coxswain, whose story you've heard. And Lou Marciano, U.S. Navy First Class Petty Officer.
We have one more approaching. Also approaching is Secretary of Navy Ambassador J. William Mittendorf, who will join in the lighting of the flame and then conduct the Medal of Honor march. The flame is ignited now and forever. And now our closing prayer by Chaplain Father Philip Selois. Let us pray. Please uncover. Can we have it quiet, please? Our help is in the name of the Lord, whom has made heaven and earth. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Lord God, Father Almighty, you are the unfaltering light. You are the creator of every, every light. Bless this new fire, this eternal flame, and grant that after the darkness of this world, we may, with pure minds, come to you, the light that does not fail, through Christ our Lord, amen. The post-chaplain myself will go and bless the fire now. Lord God, it was with a fiery torch that you appeared to our father Abraham. It was through fire from a burning bush that you called your servant Moses. It was with a column of fire that you led your people through the desert. And it was with fire that you came down to give your commandments. We ask you, Almighty God, to sanctify this fire, so that through this fire the flame of our faith would ignite and grow ever stronger, that we would be inflamed with heavenly desires, that we would be purified of all blemishes, that we would be guided by your Holy Spirit, so that with hearts burning with love for you, we would be pleasing in your sight and gain a share in your everlasting splendor and glory. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come upon you all and remain with you forever and ever. Amen. As you make your way to enjoy, enjoy supper, please enjoy the sounds of the U.S. Navy Band conducted by former Secretary of the Navy Ambassador J. William Mittendorf, who will be conducting his own composition, the Medal of Honor March, as well as God Bless America and Salute to Services.
Don't Touch Your Radio Dial. We have more programming honoring our veterans in a moment. Attention, fellow Vietnam veterans. If you have a condition linked to exposure to herbicides, including toxins like Agent Orange, and you served offshore of the Republic of Vietnam between 1962 and 1975, you may now be entitled to expanded VA benefits due to the Blue Water Navy Act of 2019. Veterans who served offshore and were previously denied for Agent Orange-related conditions can refile. Survivors of deceased veterans may also be eligible. VA is dedicated to helping Blue Water Navy veterans and our families get the benefits we've earned and deserve. For more information and to see the list of conditions that VA considers related to herbicide exposure, visit va.gov and search Blue Water Navy or call 1-800-749-8387. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. 